Prison Colony Resistance is brought to you by Sam and the Maxman Productions. Prison Colony Resistance. glass many people are feeling that heart of glass now shattered glass where their heart once used to be sadly that is happening everywhere this is the vax man coming back to you with prison colony resistance and we have a bit of a heavy show today because the focus is going to be on the many many people having that feeling of shattered glass in their heart that pain and to join me in this very solemn discussion of what is happening now six months past the uh, initial shot or maybe the second shot is the one and only sam how you going sam good evening it's good to be here good afternoon good evening and good night yeah. <laughs> yes it, it feels like every day is the same around here doesn't it uh we just like round and round and round and round yeah groundhog day mixed with a bit of truman show it's it's crazy it does feel that way. In the last episode, um, uh, in the notes, uh, we made we commented that being alive now, and we were trying to get back to the 80s in the last episode, and it's basically the same. Like kids are forced to get vaccinated to go to the public school. Check. We had a conflict with the USSR. Uh, check. What else was happening in the 80s? Oh yeah, Big Pharma was coming out with new concoctions to stick into kids. Uh, check. Uh, we had all that stuff was happening back then. It's just repeated now. The only thing that's different is the type. Yeah, that that mRNA therapy or gene therapies. Oof, that's the one difference now. So what you're suggesting is that we're just stuck in a perpetual cycle of history, that it's all kind of like what's old is new again, retro think it's a perpetual election cycle man no matter who we choose to sit in that seat doesn't freaking matter it just keeps happening it gets worse yeah, yeah. yes yes it does get worse and um interesting that you bring up the election because a lot of voters are getting really sick of liberal or labor yeah like, they want another choice they don't necessarily there? want well 
there is Clive Palmer's party, the UAP. Mm-hmm. Where where are his preferences going? I saw a little picture of Clive uh, Clive Palmer standing in mm-hmm. front of a train station at six a.m. and he had all the whole like entrance to the train station like had his picture in the yellow UAP posters, you know. And there he mm-hmm. is standing in the middle, no one's around, and he's got all these little brochures just ready to go, ready to greet the morning commuters, a man of the people. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> in his what his RM Williams shoes, which cost six hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> at least he wasn't like well, at least he wasn't wearing his red shoes. Do you remember oh, that? Do, do you remember that? No, no, I never days, saw man? I never saw the red yeah, shoes. Man. Like he, he rocked up with Craig Kelly, man, and like he's he's wearing his red shoes, and everyone was just going, Oh fuck, this this guy's a fucking Freemason. Oh he's, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, do remember, remember at that? the protest, yeah, and the white yeah, shirt. Man. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Man. Okay, so you know, maybe people don't want to vote for him. But, but he is he is there. He's a, his 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 party is a choice, and but like like I said, you don't know where his preferences are going. His guy was um, what's Craig Kelly? His boy who's Craig running. Kelly. Yep. He used to be a liberal, and he said before, "Oh yeah, yeah, you know, like oh, I I love the liberal party." So he used to be a a tried and true liberal party. So I can imagine where his preference vote is going to go. I just you know supposition and all. You're right. It's yeah, you're surmising, but. It's probably not far from it. The one thing I will give that party is their honesty because they have said, hey, yo, we got to get this economy kickstarted again. How about a 15% licensing levy on coal and iron ore imports? Bam, right out the door. Like there's Palmer just saying, here's what I want, man. This is why I'm Mm. in this game. You give me this, you got the rest. You can have no mandates, no, no, all that stuff that you guys want. Just give me this, give me this iron ore levy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna make him rich, isn't it? Well, richer. Richer. How much right. does he so need? You're right. There's an agenda there. So obviously, he, him first, Australia second. I think he's hoping to buy Twitter. I think he's gonna get into a little auction with Elon Musk, like who can buy more per share. You know, so he needs that extra oh. little bit in the piggy bank. Man, does Clive Palmer even have a Twitter account? Oh, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he has handlers and all that. No, yeah. It's social media, man. It's a hard game. It's very time consuming. <laughs> oh, I don't play that game. No, no, thank you. No, you're, you're, you're a smart man. You're a very smart man. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. And you have integrity, my friend, as you troll through all those sites. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. But you know, unfortunately, integrity, well... It doesn't pay the bills, does it? Mm. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Soon, Not yet. Uh, maybe Thor will come down and like looking for a new partner in crime, and he'd be like, "I need someone with integrity, Mike. Come to come with me to bar and buy." Who was that? What was that? <laughs> that was uh, Chris Hemsworth. That was my. Um, oh, I'm working on okay. it. I'm working on it. Yeah. Still not yeah. quite there, Mike. Still sounds like Crocodile no. Dundee, Mike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you think so. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, hoax! Come on, baby. Uh, uh, all right, so that's the that's the UAP covered. Yep. Palmer yep. and uh, Kelly. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You, right. got, you got yeah. You don't know. Like people are not they're not convinced, man. Like you know, word on the street is that you know the candidates are not happy with the UAP and they've been quite unorganized and um, having a gag order placed on them. So they're like they're not really talking. No, they're not really saying much. You don't even mm. know who's out there that's true i was uh i was kind of 
hanging out around the Victor Harbor area. And I mm-hmm. saw their candidate for the Mayo district. And I was like shocked going, who the hell is that on the poster? It's not Craig Kelly. It's somebody else. What? Um, I don't even oh, remember so you, the name. You, you, you saw the poster, not the I person. saw the poster. I didn't see the person. No, right. maybe I did okay. in the cafe. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I saw the poster it was surprising. So the UAP is like, you know, it's like the last kid in the, you know, in the lineup. And if you don't choose them, you don't have enough players. So you say, all right, I'll take Craig Kelly. Fine. Put him in right field or something. So he's kind of like, uh, you know, um, Pauline Hansen, she's looking really strong. Not such a bad party, I'd say. And they have really strong candidates coming up. That's true. They do. Um, don't know if they're going to be running um, candidates in every seat. That's to be determined yet. But what I have noticed, um, especially around you know, the southern suburbs down here, um, it's just a lot of labour, a lot of red, and a lot of green, a lot of, a lot of green stuff going up. They were really quick off the mark. And obviously, you know, they got the funding and blah, blah, blah. A lot of these other smaller parties, they look, let's be honest, they're struggling for donations and, and, and money to actually compete with the big boys. But I think having an alternative, alternative to vote for, I think we're in for a very, very exciting time. Ah, I think so too. Right, like, because I don't want liberal, I don't want labor. Yeah, the right. the liberal candidates look awful. Like there was um in this in the one of the southern districts uh, that was in Booth Boothby, I think, um, mm-hmm. and the candidate just pieced out. She's like, "Look, I'm not running this year, so you know, here's this other lady. I don't know what's what's your name again? A Swift here. She's a doctor or something. There you go. Yeah, you'll be yeah. fine. Oh yeah, man. Like, there's not even a, a liberal candidate in." In my electorate at the moment, like they'll they'll find someone, right? Because the hardcore liberalists will want to vote liberal, right? So they'll fly someone in. They won't have anyone in locally, or if they do, it'll just be a name on the ballot. Hey man, let's get this guy from down the street. Put him in a suit. See how he goes. Yeah, clean him up. Get him off. Run them all. <laughs> Come here, yeah. sir. Oh, take a Oh, we gotta sober you up, sir. Oh, good. You're gonna be our candidate. Oh, that's great news. Oh, I think I can run the country. <laughs> Pay up, Mortimer. I've won the bet. Here, one dollar. <laughs> Wait, okay. Perfectly useless psychopath like Valentine and turned him into a successful executive. And during the same time, we turned an honest, hardworking man into a violently deranged would-be killer. (laughs) Now, what are we going to do about taking Winthorpe back and returning Valentine to the ghetto? I don't want Winthorpe back after what he's done. You mean keep Valentine on as managing director? Of course not. I do think we should hold off on switching them back, though, until we get that crop report New Year's Eve, don't you? Absolutely. No sense rocking the boat until then. Do a better job in Scummo, that's for sure. Uh, this is true. And but then, hey, and yes. then the the the, yes. the candidate 
for Mayo, mm-hmm. right? The, the mm-hmm. southernmost district um, here, uh, southernmost of Adelaide in the Victor Harbor area. That kind of, did you, you, did you hear the, what happened there? So, no. Oh, man, it was a huge scandal. So the candidate for Mayo, right, which is around the Victor Harbor area where I was kind of like spending the Easter uh, weekend, and I did see that poster of the UAP candidate, and the liberal candidate down there, her name is Alison Bluck. Have you heard of Alison Bluck? No. Okay, well, she, her name is Alison Bluck. So she sent a campaign letter to thousands of people's houses, right? So it was like one of those letter drops. And she claimed to be the manager of the Kangaroo Island Nature Trail. That was her claim in this letter that she sent out. I am your candidate for Mayo, the liberal candidate. And I also just so happened to run the Kangaroo Island Nature Trail. However, she claimed in the letter that as the manager of the Kangaroo Island Nature Trail, she was passionate about the environment. And she was uh, uh, talking about liberal spending on improving bushfire resilience on Kangaroo Island, like very passionate about this Kangaroo Island Nature Trail. However, mm-hmm. it turns out it's a load of shit. She's not the person who runs the Kangaroo Island Nature Trail. That's actually run by Allison Buck. <laughs> so she found she found this person who had a name that was very similar and took her story and hoped that nobody would notice. And then it just became like this massive on the newspapers front page just this like this is like this is the what? kind of shit you, you you'll get from from liberal and labor taking credit for well this is just this is it this is almost identity theft isn't it it is that and then the, the actual person God. was like i don't know why she did that i mean i'm just i've been here kind of just working and here's the candidate for mayo claiming oh man so liberal in my opinion they're out they're out mm. but nobody wants to vote for labor labor kind of sucks no. No, no, Albanese is um, a sack of shit. You, you really, you know what? After speaking to to Claire last week and and her bringing up the fact that we do swear a lot, really, your language tonight is is quite appalling. I'm, I'm not sorry. I'm not, I'm not used to it. You've get me you've, talking politics, man. It all comes just <laughs> spilling out. I can't stop. I've, I've we've we've tapped into some some kind of uh, suppressed anger here. Oh, not anger, just disgust, right? contempt, just disgust. Uh, right. uh, bellicosity. Oh, man, I hate politicians. Like I said, they're lower than rats, in my opinion. Not all of them. There are some very good ones, right? Very good ones. Uh, Alex Antic from South Australia, Malcolm Roberts, yes. uh, yep. Gerard Rennick, Pauline Hanson. Yep. Very honest, true politicians with integrity. But then you get like this, Alison yeah, like, Bluckley. Like, there's like, there's, you literally can count the good ones on one hand. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Fucking hell. Yeah, Yeah, well, it's not just us, Sam, because it's gotten so bad that they did a news report on this, right? And they were explaining how nobody wants to vote for liberal and labor. And they were talking about how the independents might run away with it because they're going to have to form a coalition government where the independents have a lot of say. And remember how well that went during the Gillard and Rudd years, right? Mm. So check this out on the news, talking about how nobody wants labor or liberal. The government and the opposition have suffered a major slump in the latest news poll. 
The poll conducted for the Australian found both parties are struggling to win enough primary support to take power, which could lead them to rely on preference flows at the election. Combined popular support for the Coalition and Labor is now at its lowest level in five years and the lowest level on record for an election campaign. First preference support for Labor has fallen by 1.2 to 36%, while the Liberal Party has also declined by 1.2 to 35%. At the same point in the campaign in 2019, the Coalition's primary vote was 38%, while Labor's was 36 Labor holds a two-party preferred lead. Right now they're 53-47, to 47, I should say, based on preference flows from the last election. 29% of voters, though, indicated that they would support a minor party or an independent five weeks out from polling. Based on the latest poll, Labor would be favoured to win a majority. While Scott Morrison is still in the lead as better Prime Minister, support for the opposition leader has slumped after that rocky first week of his election campaign. There you go. Nobody likes Albanese. <laughs> Not even his own party. Uh, He's worse than Biden at this point. Man, like, well, like they've fucking, they've, they've, you know, given him a bit of a makeover. He's lost a bit of weight. He's got a new girlfriend, I think. Has he? I don't fucking know. Yeah, yeah. Right. I did see a story in the advertiser. Yes, right, they, they, had, yeah, they were holding hands yeah, and like lovey dovey. Yeah, yeah. But it's just you, you. It's like you can't polish a turd. And and. and People see through this. It doesn't matter how how nice he looks or, or whatever. You, you you cannot polish a turd, and, and that's what they're trying to do here. Yeah. I mean, never never mind the fact that um, his mean girls running him. Right? <laughs> there's no way. There's no way he's standing up to them. Um, so who are the mean girls again? Penny Wong is Penny one of them. Uh, um, Keneally. Oh yeah, Christine Keneally. Yeah. She used to be the yeah. premier of uh, of New, New South, South Wales, Wales for like a blink of an eye. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Lambie is that another one? Jackie Lambie. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. But <laughs> Labor is still Labor, and you remember what happened last time Labor was in power? The Rudd Gillard years. Right. Like, mm. they, they can't even like you would vote Albanese in. And three weeks later, we'd have a new prime minister that no one Ooh. voted for. Who, who do you think would be prime minister? Like our, our they probably pull in a Pokey Petey, yeah? Pokey Petey, yeah. come up to the majors. Oh, did we? Am I really coming up to the majors? I can't believe it. I'm the premier of South Australia here. I'm going to go all the way over to Canberra. Yeah, yeah, come on, Pokey Petey. You're up. You're up to bet. Thanks so much. I can't wait till I do this. So please boost yourself. What was that? That was Pokey Petey Melanaskis. We got him on the show for a bit. Oh. He agreed to come on. <laughs> you know how you said um, Jacinda's voice gets under your skin? Yeah. Man, I tried to listen to Pokey Petey for more than 10 minutes. I could not get through a speech. I could no, not no, get not through a, that. No, okay. okay. The flat nose kind of, oh, I can't talk. And I'm like, dude, oh, man, I can't take it. You're like, breathe, dude, <laughs> breathe. You got to breathe. Oh, uh, and yeah. you heard about the Pokey Petey slip, right? You heard what happened when Pokey Petey was talking check this out sam pretty interesting stuff because he basically confirmed everything we've been talking about in like two words and it just happened in the blink of an eye 
Um, so here he is at a press conference, right? And he's taking questions. So that we're talking about, uh, for those not in the know, not in South Australia, we're doing inside jokes here, Pokey Petey and all that. So like we said, about three weeks ago, we had an election. Um, we used to have Premier Marshall, which we called Marshmallow on the show, because um, he was so like soft and fluffy. I never had any real convictions, just like kind of, ah, oh, just adorable. You just want to take him home and one of those hug me pillows. But uh, that didn't appeal to the voters. So instead, we got like this uh, sort of, I don't know, man, he kind of looks like a mob enforcer. Like if this guy comes knocking on your door, he's probably going to have a baseball bat tucked into his waistpants, you know? Okay, I'm here to collect for Tony. Oh, shit. Sorry, Petey. Sorry. Don't call me Petey. It's Pokey Petey. Oh, sorry, sir. Um, so here he is in an interview, right? And he's giving out answers about the COVID pandemic. Did he say that? Check this out, Sam. You haven't transitioned out of a too long, two year long emergency management declaration ever before. We haven't transitioned out of a global pandemic in the modern world with a modern economy ever before. We haven't transitioned out of a global pandemic in the modern world with a modern economy ever before. Indeed, he did say it, man. Right. So, uh, so, how long has he been premier? A month, maybe? Two and a half weeks, I think. Right, and he's he's got the keys of the kingdom. And... He already knows. He knows. Oh, he's been called yeah. by Klaus. Like, right, right. Yep. This is it. This is what we're doing. Whatever you do, don't spill the beans. <laughs> don't call it a plan. Don't call it a pandemic. You want me to call it's it a pandemic? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's the one thing he does? Oh, fucking you know, look out. Watch out. But isn't, uh, isn't it good that, that someone is always watching? This is the best that they have. This is the best that labor has in this state. Come on, mate. Like, this is their premiere. This is their choice. This Pokey Petey guy. Fuck me. Uh, man. Yeah. He's like an insult. We don't have doctors. We don't have professors. We don't have, you know, people who like, oh, man. Uh, sorry, 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 listeners. The Vax man is a bit um, put out by politics, and uh, Pokey Petey just pushes my buttons. Uh, he boosts it me in just the right way. It certainly sounds that way. It certainly sounds that way. So he admitted it. So, like, my question then becomes: Is at what point do they get the phone call? At what point does their mobile ring, and it says Geneva? And they're like, ooh, this is it. This is it. And they pick it up. Oh, hello, Adela, Pokey Petey. Uh, this is uh, Klaus. Uh, Mr. Mr. Klaus? Oh, how high, sir? Uh, I'm going to need you to uh, sit down. We're going to have a private uh, conversation. Uh, clear the room. Can I have the room? Can I have the room? Uh, thank you, PT. Okay, so here's what we're doing. We're going to kill almost everyone on the planet. Then we're going to start a nuclear war. And then you get to live in the bunker, shining my shoes. You good with that? <gasps> Your shoes, Mr. Klaus? Of course. And there it is, man. Now they're on board, and now they just boost us until we're all plopping over like fish, man. Well, you know, you, you asked what point does he get that phone call? Well, the election was called two and a half hours after the polls closed. So I'm saying about probably about a three-hour mark he got that phone call. Mm. Mm. 
like they bring the they bring the phone to him like in those movies where they have the room the service of the phone under the tray uh, sir there's the a call porch. for you yes <laughs> oh yeah. man and all the, the push you know, buttons they all have klaus's face on them it's an emergency sir come back when it's a catastrophe and then obviously it self-destructs afterwards. Absolutely, but they have to cover it and then smoke comes out the bottom. To save time, we've chosen your team for you. Agents Carter and Dunn. As always, should you or any member of your team be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. Oh, so yes, we are. We are in what week two of of the election, and both of these parties and both of these leaders just suck. Mm, they're not. They good. just suck, right? You've got you've got a, the leader of the the Labour Party who doesn't know his ass from his face. Did you see him get booed at the Blues Fest in Byron Bay over the weekend? I, I heard about that. I didn't see it, though, yeah, but man. I did read about it. Yeah. Nah, uh, like, we don't want you. <laughs> we don't want red. We don't want blue. You know, you've got Scott Morrison not, ans- not, not asking, sorry, not answering questions about, um, about vaccine injuries. Doesn't want to know about it. Refused to answer. Did you hear about that one? No, I didn't see that one either. Mm, yeah, I was on. Sorry. I was uh, on Easter holiday. I was like refreshing myself. <sighs> it, it it was it was <laughs> something I I saw before we came on tonight. Um, <laughs> they just don't want to acknowledge really what is happening in this country and and, and the big issues that are, that are facing the everyday people, mm. right? And as much as you don't want this election to be about COVID and lockdowns, all that kind of shit, it will be. And another big thing you're going to hear a lot of during this election is uh, inflation and the cost of living and how these politicians understand and they sympathise with us that we don't have any money. (laughs) (laughs) But, But do they actually understand? They don't even know how much a gallon, a liter of milk costs. Everyone right. asks Scomo that. Oh, no, I'm, I'm going to sit here and pretend I know how much milk costs, buddy. Yeah, take your questions and sit down. Have you lost touch with ordinary Australians? And on that theme off the top of your head, can you tell me the price of a loaf of bread, a liter of petrol, and a rapid antigen test. Now, I'm not going to pretend to you that I go out each day and I buy a loaf of bread and I buy a litre of milk. I'm not going to pretend to you that I do that. And I'll leave those sort of things to you, mate. Um, and you can run it. But the point is, I do my job every day to ensure that those things are as affordable as they possibly can be for Australians every single day. As I said, our inflationary pressures in this country are lower than what we're seeing in other countries. And it's important that uh, we ensure uh, that people are able and have the resilience to deal with those economic pressures that are coming, just like my answer earlier. It's going to be tough in the months, years ahead. 
there is going to be strong economic challenges. And you've got to make decisions in real time and ensure that you've got you know, the capacity to deal with the challenges that are yet to come. I've got a golden titted cow out the back and it produces fucking all sorts of milk. So, you know, that's, that's why I don't need to buy milk. You know what? You know uh, one reason that... They're, they're, they're all out of touch. Yeah. And what, right, what happened we, with Albanese? Like when they asked him that loaded question and he couldn't answer, was it like um, the unemployment rate? I think it was. Unemployment rate, yeah. Didn't yeah, know. and he was like, um, uh, three, four, five, seven, ten, one. I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> what, what, what do I look like here? <laughs> what do I look like? Come on, man. You don't know the unemployment rate. There's people who don't have a job. There's people who have a job and can't afford to pay. There's people who've been mandated out of work and they want to work. There's all this and they don't even care to learn like a percentage. They don't even want to know like 5.2. Just say a number, dude. Mm. I mean, pretend that that number is correct. At least be a politician. Be like, oh, thank you for the question, young man. The unemployment rate last week was 5.4%, but under the inspired choice of Albanese as your new prime minister, it will be reduced to 4.7%, which is what exactly it is at this week. And then you walk away, dude, you make it sound real. And the posture is like, oh, I got to check that shit. And then they go down and then they check it. But by then it's done. Like those retractions, nobody cares about that, man. Those disappear. Just just fake it till you make it. Exactly. That's what being a politician is all about. (laughs) And this guy (laughs) doesn't get it. You're basically saying they're all full of shit. Yeah, they're sacks full of shit. And this guy can't even be shitty enough to be a good sack full of shit. That's how bad he is. You can't polish a turd, like you said. That's it. And look, you've really just got to ask ask yourself this. Do you want three more years of Morrison? Yeah. Yep. Or do you want three years of Albanese and Labor? we We saw what Biden and Kamala is doing in the States. That's coming this way, man. If you if you elect Labour, without exactly. a I mean, doubt, look at look at what the Labour states have endured over the last two years. You want that for the whole country? And this is mm. where I say this is where I tap out and say no, no thanks. Mm. We have uh, the other one, the Greens. Um, our own mm. South Australian senator, uh, what's her name? Um, Sarah Hansen Young. Mm-hmm. She's 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 still the leader of the Greens, or has she been? No, no, no. She's still leader of the Greens, and, and she's uh, she's full on board with digital currency. She's full on board with digital ID. She's on board with all the Klaus's agenda, mandate, well, vaccinate, she vaccinate. Is, yep, she is part of the young global leaders of the WEF. So imagine and, how, and she proudly she proudly displays that on a Twitter bio. Oh, man. It, what, what are her pronouns? <laughs> Sorry, you don't have to answer that. <laughs> but um, so yeah. if you thought that dictator Dan was shoving down the mandates down Victorian's throat with his politicized police force, wait until you get Sarah Hansen Young in charge. If she gets to be in charge, oh, forget about it, man. It's just like electing Klaus straight out of the box. Mm. Yeah. So the Greens are out, Labor's out, Liberals out for me, at least. I'm not, I'm not going that way. Uh, I like One Nation. UAP's out because, you know, I don't need like a slimy billionaire at the, at the driver's seat. No, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I think people get put off with, with Clive. Um, 
You got the money, man. You got the money, man, controlling the show. Yeah. And he's he's not quiet about it. No, exactly. Greg Kelly's the leader of the UAP. Mm, But is he? (laughs) And he's the treasurer, right? Clive Palmer's a treasurer of the party. Or he will be something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I mean, Uh, yeah. So he's out. That group is out. I mean, I don't even know who the other candidates are. Like just Craig Kelly. And the only reason I kind of like him is because he said, I'm not for mandates and I'm not for lockdowns. Oh, that sounds good. And we should erase all mandates. Oh, and all like all that stuff sounded great. But then that's all he had. Like, that's it. I mean, everything else was just eh. Um, exactly. What was your what is your stance on environment? What is your stance on? animal welfare what is your stance on veteran affairs then he reaches into like the the old cold pocket and uh, he pulls out the the index card from when he was a liberal candidate oh, hold on hold on i got this here uh, these are my notes from 2012 give me a sec thanks mate no nah, i'm good um who else do we have i mean then you got the independents right a lot of these independent parties are very focused on one issue like the IMOP party, the Independent Medical and Operations no, no, no. Procedure In, Party, something like that. In, no, Informed Medical Options Party. That's it. Informed Medical you Options Party. You weren't even close. <laughs> I tried. Like, so what you, a name, dude. IMOP. Yeah. Come on, man. Somebody has to get fired for that one. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But if you know the history of IMOP, you probably wouldn't be making jokes about that. I respect where they're going. Like I respect informed options, all that good stuff, but it's very narrow. It's very tailored. And, you know, anyways, so I don't even know who their candidate is, but. Uh, Well, there's a Senate candidate down here, uh, Raina Cruz. And that's about all I know. That's it, huh? That's it. And don't forget, you've you've got Gap. You've got the Great Australian Party. I've seen some of their candidates. Not too bad. I like Jamie. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. He's pretty good. Seems to have it together, you know, like uh, dresses like a politician, talks like a politician, but isn't slimy, you know. <laughs> He's a, still a good guy. Like he'll sit down and talk to you, like look you in your eye. Yep. Um, so, I, you know, all right. I don't. I only know him, though. I don't know anybody else in the party. Right. Well, that's it. So there are, there are a few little parties out there. Mm. So it's probably best, actually. It's it's it is really important because we are on the cusp of of probably the last freest election that, that we're gonna have. This will be the last election where we have the pencil and paper ballot mm. because they will move to a dominion system like they have in the United States. And we all know how well that works out. But Sam, 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 mm. Sam, Sam, Sam. You do this every week, mate. You, you're like, you just go conspiracy nut at the drop of a hat, dude. Relax, dude. Chill out. None of that's going to happen because liberal or labor are going to put in a digital ID and then they'll be able to know exactly who logged into the machine to vote. So there can be no fraud, Sam. There cannot be <laughs> fraud once you have a digital ID. That Everybody knows that. Everyone knows that. What was I thinking? That just, just must be where my mind tracks. Oh, I do apologize. And then if you didn't vote the right way, then they just deduct some of your programmable digital currency that labor or liberal will also put in if they're elected. (laughs) So it's all good, mate. That's it. Well, look, you get, they walk lockstep with each other. Liberal labor. Well, I I saw, I saw a little quote today. Someone told me about it and then I saw it 
um, same bird, different wings. <laughs> you heard that? Yeah. No, no. That's a good there quote. Go. I like that. Yeah. I like that's that. Not bad, same is it? different yeah. wings. Mm. Yeah. Title of the show right there. Oh man. That's a pretty good one. I like that. I that. That's yeah. not bad. Uh, yeah. True. 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 I mean, that's it. And then, so, um, Another another party I kind of like. I like some of their candidates. Um, I've been following some of his Telegram channels. Um, is the Australian Federation Party, although their acronym AFP is a bit weird. Like it sounds like Australian Federal Police. But other than that, you know, they got some cool colors. They got some nice, nice candidates. And I've seen some of their candidates, like the one for the Adelaide Hills area. I'm not sure what that mm-hmm. that area is called. Seems like he's got it together. He runs a, a runs a channel um on rumble i believe the mm-hmm. south australia and focus channel he has really yep. good interviews yep. he puts yep. out really good documentaries and i met him at one of the rallies and he just seems like a very put together guy and when he gave his little speech he said look i am doing this for my kids and for my community because i'm sick and tired of what we're talking about these two parties that suck they're just no good it's like which is worse worse one or worse two which which way do i vote and he said i'm sick of that so he seems like a pretty good candidate so not that he's in my district but uh you know the backs they're out they're out they're out there you just you and the the, the closer we get the more more visible these parties will get Hmm. right so keep your your eyes and ears peeled and yeah just stay the fuck away from liberal and labor yeah, three tips, three solid, <laughs> solid tips. Number one, number your ballot, right? Give your, don't let them discern, decide where your preference will go. You number your preference. Exactly. Don't let them exactly. say number two is this, right? Number two, make sure that you number the liberal and labor and greens, number them last. Because if you don't, they're going to start picking up the preference shares because they're the two big parties with a lot of money and a lot of visibility. And they're the posters that you see as you drive down South Road or Marion Road or wherever going up into the city. That's what you're going to see. That's where you're going to remember, red or blue. Number them last so they don't get your preference. And number three, what would you say, Sam? Research your independence. Because mm-hmm. if you get really good independence in there, then they can form a reasoned opposition and a reasoned coalition based on logic, information, data, and not on some Klaus Schwab agenda. I think we can add accountability. Find a candidate that will actually take accountability for their electorate. Find find someone that will actually fight for the same things that you want. Hmm. And exactly. don't don't draw dicks on your ballot, right? <laughs> because an invalid vote is just it, it's pointless. Well, as long as you number the dick, you can draw a dick but put a number inside of it, and then you'll be no, all right. I, I don't even, no, I don't think a, I don't think a numbered dick will count. Oh no, <laughs> no, I don't think it, I don't think it will. Oh, so as long as soon as you draw on your your ballot, it's is deemed invalid. Invalid, yeah, and Ooh. and I think if if you, if you number straight down sequentially one two three four five oh even if it even if that is your preferred preference so you got to put a note like if you do one two three or five you got to put a note this is my intention i am (laughs) making a donkey ballot don't even write that on there because yeah that'll mess it up too 
You can't mess it up okay. too. You can't draw a happy face, a little kitty cat, nothing. No, nothing. All right. So take this seriously, folks. This is it, man. This is this is what decides whether your kids live as cyborgs in a digital plantation or <laughs> if we keep being free and human. I mean, this is it. This is the last stand because clouds and his minions are focused on 2030 and they have a diamond like focus. They are so focused. They have so many puppets in play. They have concocted this plan since the early eighties, maybe even longer than that. Um, We have Rockefeller in a a meeting and check out what he says, Sam. Here's Rockefeller way back in the day talking about how they're going to set up a one world government. And this is on the history channel. Like straight from the History Channel. So it's not like a conspiracy theory thing. Um, And it's like, my goodness, like they're just telling you that out front. So this is Rockefeller back in 1991 talking about what's happening in today's world where Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, they're all censoring stories that they don't want you to see. And they have the technology and the algorithms. But back in the day, you didn't have algorithms and AI to manage those algorithms. Back in the day, it was a gentleman's agreement. So Mr. Rockefeller made an agreement with all of the press in the room, but somebody didn't stick to their agreement and released this recording of Rockefeller talking about the establishment of a new world order. Check this out, Sam. At a 1991 closed-door meeting of fellow internationalists, billionaire and former CFR chairman David Rockefeller praised his media allies, but his confidence that his words would not leave the room was later broken. We are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promises of discretion for almost 40 years. It would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subject to the right lights of publicity. But the world is now more sophisticated and prepared to march toward a world government. That these men aim to create a world system of financial control in private hands, able to dominate the political system of each country and the economy of the world as a whole. In short, they seek total and quiet control of the entire world. Mm. Chilling words from over, what's that, 90 to 2000, 2000, over 30 years ago, Sam. This has been a plan in the making. So digital programmable currencies that we're forced to use would take away any sense of anonymity we have with our purchases right which cash gives us it would Mm -hmm. give them control because they can program how we use our money and if they don't like how we spend it they can just hit delete for a number of funds for penalty this or citation that or expiation notice this and once we have uh, a digital id it's like a little tattoo that they brand on your arm saying this is who you are in this world and you cannot escape that oh man so this is it. This is what this election is all about. It's a big one. It's a big one. So I guess the question then becomes, all right, uh, granted, everything we're saying, let's say it's all true, but what do they want all this power for? Like, what are they going to do with all this power? Like, what good is it to them? That's a good question. 
That's a good question. I, I don't know. No idea. I mean, what have they done with it so far? All they've done is like inject us with stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, man. The first, first part of the plan. I'm sure they're working to a timeline. I'm sure they've got their little little boxes marked. Okay, today we're going to do this, and then we're going to wait, you know, six months, and we'll do the next thing. I don't know. Hmm. You know, like a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, it's a, uh, one of these. You know, it's said in the circles, a depopulation agenda that the vaccine is meant to cause a lot of damage in society. And it's meant to like increase the deaths of uh, of the population, which is is now very visible. Um, in fact, let me see. Uh, I have this little story here, Sam, about the amount of death in Australia increasing. In fact, I can just play it for you because check out what the what the health officer of Queensland says about all these increased deaths. So Yvette Dath, right? She's the Queensland health minister. We've talked about Queensland before. We've said how Queensland has gone really hard. Anna Palaszczuk, their premier, has mandated everyone. We've heard uh, quotes from their minister saying they're going to make it very difficult to be unvaccinated. So basically, uh, we've seen um, videos of their cafes where police come in and ask if the employees are vaccinated. We've seen all kinds of stuff coming out of Queensland. So, and we we played last week, we played a little clip where they were going to set up vaccination clinics in the schools for parents who maybe hadn't been able to book a jab, a mRNA gene therapy to inject their children with. And now, after all of that, that campaign, that propaganda of fear that Jacinda Ardern coined for us, results in this. But yet, the Queensland health minister just can't make sense of it for some reason. Check this out, Sam. But it is really interesting yeah, I don't think anyone can explain why we saw a 40% jump in code ones. And I've, I've seen that as I've travelled around the state sometimes. I'll walk into an ambulance service and they'll say, we had a 30% increase in code ones yesterday. Can't tell you why. We just had a lot of heart attacks and chest pains and trouble you know, breathing, respiratory issues. Sometimes you can't explain why those things happen, but unfortunately... Just can't explain it. Just well, just one of those things. Just sort of happens. What are you going to do? Happens. I don't know. It's never. It's, it hasn't happened before, but it's happening now. It's just. Yeah. Oh, fear. oh my goodness! Climate, it's got to be climate change, right? Uh, yeah, I think they're eating too many, uh, too many burgers. Maybe too much, too much right. meat. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, in addition to like. The amount 40, so the Queensland Health Minister, this isn't us making voices. This is the Queensland Health Minister in a press conference saying, I don't know why there's so many, a 40% increase in heart attacks. Who knows why this stuff happens? Who knows? Here's Channel 9 News, Sam. Check out what Channel 9 News has to say, because we keep getting this safe and effective line from our health officers get boosted, it'll protect you. But then when you do get boosted, you start to have chest pain and it feels like you have shattered glass in your chest. And all of a sudden you start calling the ambulances and they can't even take you because the hospitals are full. Check this out, Sam. 
begin with breaking news tonight. Many of our hospitals are right now struggling to cope with the number of patients presenting at emergency. Peter Fegan joins us from the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. Peter, good evening. How bad is it? Well, Andrew, as we go to air tonight, the Queensland Ambulance Service has confirmed that at least 100 calls for help cannot be attended by its paramedics due to ambulance ramping this afternoon. Not all of those calls for help are emergencies, but some of them are. And insiders, Andrew, have told Nine News that some paramedics are waiting at least three hours to drop their patients off. These pictures you can see now, courtesy of the Nine News helicopter, is from the PA hospital this afternoon. As you can see, more than half, so more than a dozen ambulances are waiting. It's the same story at the Ipswich Hospital. At some stages this afternoon at the Prince Charles Hospital, there was more than half a dozen waiting. Here at the RBWH, I counted at least 10 ambulances in the waiting bay. Now, the Health Minister's office, Melissa, has been made aware of this situation. David Christofulli, the opposition leader, just today went on the attack, accusing the government of being in the midst of a health crisis. But, Melissa, it's worth noting that the Queensland Ambulance Service has said that this afternoon is an unusually busy afternoon, but waiting three hours to drop patients off certainly is not standard procedure. Melissa, it will be very interesting to see how the government responds to this tomorrow because there simply is no easy answer. There isn't, is there, Peter? Thank you. Hospitals are full. Ambulances pick them up. Ambulances pull up to the hospital. Hospital says, we're full, mate. We got all these heart attack victims. Sorry. I don't know why it's happening. Go figure. The ambulance has to keep a person in the back of the ambulance for up to three hours. More calls are coming in up to 100 calls an hour not attended to. This is not safe and effective. This is here. You're seeing it in the flesh. You're hearing it. The newscasters are telling you, yo, there's something out there that's causing a lot of this stuff. We don't know why. We know why. They just don't want to say why. They don't want to say it or they can't say it. E either way, it's... um, <sighs> it, it, Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree with what you're saying. What kind of call does Klaus Schwab have on on these politicians that they can't even say that people are dying in the droves. People are getting sent to hospitals with heart attacks and myocarditis and pericarditis and Guillain-Barre syndrome, Bell's palsy. Here's some other stuff that this stuff, um, that these vaccines cause. Check it out, Sam. I picked this up. So this is some other stuff that I picked up, Sam, uh, from the channel. So this is other new onset autoimmune phenomena that follows the diverse COVID-19 vaccine. So you know that there's the adenovirus, which is mm -hmm. the um, AstraZeneca, and yep. then there's the mRNA virus uh, vaccines, the mRNA gene therapies, which are Pfizer and Moderna. So these mRNA vaccines, they in they have thrombotic thrombocytopenia, immune thrombocytopenic purpura, autoimmune liver diseases, Guillain-Barre syndrome, Bell's palsy, IgA nephropathy, autoimmune polyarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, Graves' disease, type 1 diabetes mellitus, systematic lupus, erythematosus. Sorry for the mispronunciations, but this is the stuff that the vaccine is causing. 
And not only that, Sam, you start to look at the people in the hospitals, right? So this is from the this is from the New South Wales, the New South Wales uh, Health, right? They release their data every every day. So this is what happened recently, right? So this is one of the latest ones. So sadly, New South Wales Health is today reporting, since so I think this was the 18th of April, today reporting the deaths of 16 people with COVID-19. Of those 16, eight were women and eight were men, and all eight had different genders. Sorry, but uh, just had to make that joke. So- <laughs> Uh, that, was, that was that was one of your better ones. Ah, thanks. Like that's no, that good. I'm, so paying, I'm, these, paying, I'm paying attention now. You of these me. sixteen people, you right? You filled me in with with humor. Of these sixteen people, of eight eight men, eight women, two people were in their sixties, two people were in their seventies, seven people were in their eighties, five people were in their nineties. So that should give you a little clue of what's happening, right? So, uh, you know, okay, I'll just leave it there. Older age is a significant risk factor for serious illness and death for COVID-19, particularly when combined with significant underlying health conditions. Now, what about the vaccine status of these people, the vaccination status of these people who died? Well, one of those people had four doses of COVID-19, double boosted. Eight people had received three doses, Five people had received two doses and two people were not vaccinated. This comes, that's two out of 16, which is right there with what we said last week. Four out of five people who are dying are vaccinated, double, triple, even quadruple. The vaccine does not stop transmission. The vaccine does not reduce the risk and the vaccine actually increases the risk. Now, what else are we seeing? We're seeing heart attacks everywhere just today. Today, we're recording on the 19th of April. Do you know the cricketer Ryan Campbell? I do. Did you ever see him play? I have. He's in a coma now because he had a heart attack over the Easter weekend at the 50-year-old mark. 50 years old. Athlete. Heart attack becoming more and more commonplace isn't it it's everywhere sam it's everywhere they cannot hide this anymore uh in fact like there's a story that just came out about a vaccine and like a um what is he he's a a fully vaccinated i don't know what that means anymore maybe triple maybe double fully vaccinated commercial airline pilots heart stops in the cockpit Minutes before landing, this just came in. Unbelievable. American Airlines, they could have had 400, 500, 600 deaths on their conscience, but luckily nothing happened. But the pilot, Robert Snow, had his heart stop just minutes before a fully vaccinated person. Another heart attack story. How many of these do we have to see? Yeah, it necessarily makes you think twice about <clears throat> getting on a plane where the pilots have been mandated to keep their jobs. Oh yeah. Like you just you just you wouldn't you wouldn't feel safe, would you? I would only get into an airplane with hoodie. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> pilot I would get into an airplane because I know he's not vaccinated. Yeah. Oh man. And there's uh, another, here's a, a little speech given by a pilot 
who was talking about, his name is Greg Pearson, and he was talking about how he can no longer tick. He can't tick a box. Like when he goes to fly, right, as a pilot, there's a form that you have to sign, and it's a declaration. Yeah, they've got their their pre-flight checklist. Exactly. And then one of the last things you have to tick is, I am well, I am healthy, and I am ready to fly. And now, because of the mRNA gene therapies being injected into him, Greg Pearson can no longer tick that box. Here's here's uh, his story, Sam. Check this out. It's a pretty sad, pretty sad little sort of speech that he gave. So here's a little snippet of that speech. I too did not want to get the vaccine. Um, I've never had a flu shot in my life. Injecting experimental drugs into me, not something I ever wanted to do. Traveling between the state that I live in, Hawaii and California, where I have family, uh, two states that have archaic uh, travel restrictions. Uh, I decided between the pressure of that and my airline that was going to require a mandate vaccine, I went and got the jab. I did it 11.30 in the morning in Hawaii. Uh, everything was normal. I went to bed, woke up at 3.30 in the morning with my heart pounding out of my chest. I went to the ER. Uh, they hooked me up quickly to EKG, IVs, did blood work quickly determined that I was in atrial fibrillation. It's a major cause of stroke. Um, as Lee said, there's, there's uh, critical phases of flight where this, this stuff, when, when I certified to go fly, I have to check off a box before I go fly all you lovely people wherever you want to go before I take that multi-million airplane. I check this box and it says I'm fit to fly. That was before COVID. That's when you knew, yeah, I have food poisoning, I am have a cold, whatever. Um, here, you never know when the genie's going to come out of the bottle and smack you down. I could have stroked out at 100 feet trying to land an airplane with 40 airplanes lined up next to us. I could have just pushed down on that stick before the person next to me could do anything. We're in a, it's all over for a lot of people. Not a good scenario. Pete Buttigieg isn't telling you anything about this. The administration is not. The NIH, the CDC, they suppress all this stuff. There's a number of pilots out there that are fearful to come forward and speak. They're fearful of retribution. There's guys that are going to work with crushing pains in their chest, in their heads. They're scared that they're going to lose their careers because they're 25 years old. This has got to stop. Lots of stories out there, man. Lots of stories like this. Telling you, but you, uh, uh, but we're not we're not allowed, we're not we're not allowed to talk about it. We're not allowed to go against the mainstream. <laughs> and any talk about this is just deemed the you're nut job, conspiracy theorist, anti-vaxxer, whatever. Mm. But these these are legitimate stories. Yeah. And I mean they could say, oh, but they're they're anecdotal, you know, like, oh, he he's had a he probably that pilot probably had a, a heart condition in his family. It's, it's like he's part of his genetics. You know, they they try to pass it off some ways. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um there's been lots of like nurses who come up and speak in front of Senate committees. I can play you. So many clips of nurses giving speeches about how their wards are full of kids having heart attacks. I'll say that one more yep. time. Kids having heart attacks. What is going on? 
I, f I flew out my first 10 year old with a heart attack and I had to fight the doctor in the ER because he's like 10 year olds don't have heart attacks. And I argued back and forth for 30 minutes to force his hand to get an EKG to find out that he was had almost a complete STEMI, which is ST elevated myocardial infarction, for which you could see it lit up on the 12 lead EKG. And he's like, well, that's not possible. And I'm like, well, he was just vaccinated yesterday. It is very much possible. At any given time, people are getting a hold of me and the nurse advocates at American Frontline Nurses to help advocate because as you've seen, there is victim shaming that it does, oh, it's anxiety. Oh, it's this. But in actuality, if they put down that it was a vaccine injury, the physician, the corporation, the hospital, the clinic, they actually won't get reimbursed. So it gets labeled as anxiety or neuropathy or Guillain-Barre syndrome when in actuality, it's very realistically a vaccine injury. Now, I'm not, uh, even though I founded American Frontline Nurses, I've traveled extensively to South America, India and South Africa, working in hot zones, stopping the spread of the virus and working with early intervention. And nowhere in those countries, in developing nations, do I see these issues that we see here in the United States. <laughs> It's normal, for a, it's normal for a seven-year-old to go into cardiac arrest, isn't it? A still furious, but a bit more mellow. Fauci. Furious, furious, furious. Still a bit furious. Not too much nowadays, uh, you know. Lockdown has its consequences. You use lockdowns to get people vaccinated so that when you open up, you won't have a surge of infections because you're dealing with an immunologically naive population to the virus because they've not really been exposed because of the lockdown. The problem is that the vaccines that they've been using are not nearly as effective 
as the vaccines that are used in the United States, the UK, EU, and other. Do you personally agree or disagree with her interpretation of public health law? Well, I, 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 I clearly disagree. I mean, those types of things should be decided as a public health issue by the public health organizations, in this case, the CDC. This is a public health matter. This is not a judicial matter. Uh, the CDC has the obligation to protect the American public, and they make their recommendations based on science and solid public health information. So obviously, the CDC will abide by the order of the court because it's a legal obligation. But one of the problems that we have there is that the principle of a court overruling a public health judgment by qualified organization like the CDC is disturbing in the precedent that it might send. I'm out of here. Yo, man, bring yeah, his feet! Bring Come on, Take his gun! I should make you buy me another pair! Take black Panther, who is that? Take his bike! Take his ass! Man, you're lucky I'm a racist black man! I thought you'd be in serious trouble, man! Serious! Fuck him up! Then why'd you move back to Massachusetts? I was born in Brooklyn. Your Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to participate for the eighth time at this important meeting, even if only in a virtual way. I would like to express my high respect to His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum for having taken the initiative for creating such an important global platform for governments shaping the future. I also want to congratulate Dubai for having organized such a successful World Expo despite all the repercussions of the global pandemic. Last November, in partnership with His Excellency Mohammed Al Gargawi, we brought together 60 top intellectual thinkers here in Dubai. Thank you to His Excellency for enabling this initiative to define a longer-term narrative to make the world more resilient, more inclusive and more sustainable. With all the current issues on our agenda, we tend to forget that we are in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution, which accelerates global change in much more comprehensive and faster ways than the previous three revolutions. I'm proud that the government of Dubai has been so foresighted in establishing a center for the fourth industrial revolution in cooperation with the World Economic Forum. The objective is to quickly recognize the potential of new technologies as well as develop the necessary ethical and political frameworks around those new technologies 
to ensure that those technologies are human-centered and society-oriented. The world has to overcome not only the damage done to our economies and our societies by COVID-19, it also has to confront the repercussions of a dangerous clash between major global powers. History is truly at a turning point. We do not yet know the full extent and the systemic and structural changes which will happen. However, we do know that global energy systems, food systems and supply chains will be deeply affected. In times of crisis, the role of governments is more important and more relevant than ever. What is also needed is a summit like this one to go beyond crisis management and to look into constructive ways we can build our common future. Our futures are intrinsically connected to one another as the profound challenges to mankind such as climate change are globally interconnected and require collaborative responses. In conclusion, and despite all the challenges, we have to uphold our responsibility which we have towards the next generation and which we can only fulfill through collaboration on a national and on a global level. I wish you an impactful and successful meeting. I'm the legislator, Okay, so we saw we saw a little bit of kickback at Prison Colony Resistance because of this very thing. We did interview Claire Bone, the mayor of Port Adelaide Enfield, and she was generous enough to give us about an hour and a half of her time. And we had a very nice chat where she told us her story. And on Friday, so that came out on Tuesday. I think I, I published it on Wednesday, I think. And on by Friday, there was a story in the advertiser, which is one of the biggest newspapers here in Adelaide. It's, it's the only local newspaper, really. Uh, it's the only local newspaper here in Adelaide. Um, so the story actually commented on the interview that we did with Claire. And the front, the, the very top of the story is, a, it says, Mayor says, colon, I don't know how I survived. The headline is, Jab Meltdown on Anti-Vax Podcast. That's us, Sam. We are wow. that podcast. Incredible. Incredible. Page four. Page four of the newspaper, the advertiser, Saturday, April 16, 2022, right during the Easter weekend when everybody's home and yeah, I'll get the paper. Why not? I haven't read the paper in ages. And then they buy one at the store when they're getting the chocolate eggs for tomorrow, Sunday. And then they see the story on page four and it says, uh, Port Adelaide Enfield Mayor Claire Bone has taken to an anti-vax podcast to tell listeners 
she will not have any more jabs and neither will her children after she claimed to have experienced side effects. Wow. She claimed. Claims. Oh, okay. Quite dismissive, huh? So it's all, it's all in her head, right? Mm. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. crazy. What's yeah. going on with her? And so then it continues. The advertiser gaslighting her. The advertiser gaslighting her in print on page four. Yeah. Because she did an interview talking about her story. Now, if she was going to say how she's actually a man trapped in a woman's body or she's gender number 77, then they would say, oh, put that on, put that on. But because she's talking about how the vaccine affected her, she has to be dismissed. She cannot make an impact. The second paragraph says, Miss Bone, she's not, she's not a miss. She's, she even said, I have my husband and kids. So another little slight, yeah? Miss Bone was a guest on Prison Colony Resistance podcast. I'm famous, Sam. I made it into print. Prison Colony Resistance podcast. Wow. It says, Prison Colony Resistance podcast that is described as, quote, where you come to get a PCR test for truth and encourages listeners to resist, live free, do not comply. That's amazing, huh? We made the papers that? there. How about that? <laughs> Incredible. And then the, the story goes on to um to talk about Claire and the interview. And you know, it's it, it's a little bit dismissive in its tone, I think. But what really got me, Sam, about would, this... would you expect anything from anything less from a Murdoch or a newspaper? No, no, not really. No, no. And f- from wouldn't. the state of journalists today, yeah, this is. I mean, this is good for a journalist nowadays. <laughs> like, it's not a complete attack. It's at least a little bit, a little bit biased, but. It's fucking lazy is what it is. Mm. It's lazy journalism. You hear about a podcast, you listen to it, you write, you're pretty much writing a review about our show. With a, with a dismissive tone, like a, a little with snide a very, remark here very, and there. Very, very, very dismissive on her story. Mm. Very dismissive. Yeah. Go on. What what else what else is in there that that, that grabbed your or that got your goat? Towards the end I of the a, I yeah. have a list. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> let me list. let me get through my list and then we'll go to your list. <laughs> so sure. towards the end of towards the end of the article, right? She said it says she told the advertiser that she was aware that she had influence, especially in her community of Port Adelaide Enfield, but stress that she was giving people the opportunity to hear my story. Then it goes on to a health minister that was interviewed. So they did a little bit of work. They did interview health minister, Chris Pickton, who said, quote, COVID vaccinations have been through a rigorous national expert assessment process to ensure that they are safe and effective. The fact that over 93% of South Australians over 12 have rolled up to be vaccinated has had a dramatic impact on reducing the hospitalization and mortality rate. And then right next to Claire's story, where they, like you said, they summarized the interview and threw in that little thing at the end about the the health minister to kind of throw that doubt in your head. Then the very next column is is called Better to be Safe Than Sorry. And then it goes on. It's one little column. And it's talking about the first paragraph. The COVID-19 vaccine rollout is safe authorities say, as figures show only a tiny fraction of jab recipients have suffered minor side effects. Minor. 
Heart attacks, minor. Anxiety, panic attacks, minor. <laughs> but what really minor. gets me, the, the one thing that really gets me, right, is where it shows here. It says, um, it's kind of towards the end of the paragraph, uh, end of the column, and it said, the T a TGA, a Therapeutic Goods Administration, spokesman said, protecting patients was rigorous. This is the most intensive safety monitoring ever conducted on any vaccines in Australia. He said, vaccination against COVID-19 is the most effective way to reduce deaths and illness from infection. The protective benefits of vaccination continue to far outweigh the potential risks. And then the kicker, Chief Public Health Officer Nicola Spurrier, best friend of the show, has revealed new state data that shows that the unvaccinated, quote, have triple the chance of dying, unquote. SA health figures show that 50 triple boosted patients died per 100,000 people compared to 114.61 for double-dosed and 159.71 for unvaccinated. So that's 159 unvaxxed, 111 double-dosed, 50 triple-dosed. Huh. Huh. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. That's not what the data shows, Nicola. Oh. Did we actually get to see her daughter? No, we didn't. Oh, wow. Fucking funny about that, isn't it? And then just when, try, when they call me. her to court, she's like, no, you don't have to. You don't have to testify. You don't have to say anything. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. What mm. the hell, man? What the hell? Yeah. So this has received a bit of a backlash in the community. Alex Antic, our state senator, he was tweeting about this. He was quite upset, I think. Yeah, he, he did post something actually on, on his Facebook, just basically taking the advertiser to task about how this was portrayed and um, basically made fun of. And, and it was really because, you know, some of the comments you you, you read on, on these sites, they, they were not nice. But some of the comments were actually, it, it kind of shows that there are more people waking up to this situation that, um these these types of incidents and and injuries are out there not being spoken about and and we need to speak about them because they're real her story was real what 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 does she have to gain from making this up nothing and and now she has pericarditis she's like that's not made up that's right yeah. you know she spent 35 days where she could not get out of bed because <laughs> The thing is, she took both of them to show people that there was nothing to be afraid of. And she ended up paying the ultimate price. So here they are saying, do it for your community. And she does it for her community. And when it doesn't work out and she has severe adverse events, they chuck her to the curb. She's dismissed. Just like that. Just like that. You know, we, we was, we were, Claire and I were actually... Um, messaging each other over the weekend. She 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 let me know about this. I wouldn't have had a clue. Man, I, I haven't bought a newspaper in forever. I did go out and buy this one because I'm a little bit of a self indulgent kind of fellow. 
And I thought, well, you know, we're, we're ruffling some feathers. And that's good. And I'm not going to back away from that because, I mean, where was the advertiser when, when we reached out and, and spoke to Brian and, and Corel, however, however it's pronounced, I do apologize. Um, where, where were they then? But because this, this woman has somewhat of a profile, she's absolutely chucked to the gutter. She's a leader in her community who's trusted, who's well-liked, who, you know, was voted in for a reason. Um, she, and she was, she is, has been the best interview we've had. She was so engaging. The banter was good and the conversation was good. And we've had a lot, had a lot of feedback saying, yeah, it was really good to listen to. And, and she, I'm, glad pe- I'm glad people are listening to it because that's why we want to do this. She was completely open and honest. She was. Um, so I think if you hear the interview, it's not like, you know, it's a very good interview. She's just telling her story. There's, there's nothing wrong with her telling her story. It's not a conspiracy theory. She's not talking about Klaus Schwab. She's not talking about mind implants. She's saying, this is what happened to me. As, as I was saying, we were talking over the weekend. And, and when this came out, and when I, when I read it, I went, this is, a bit, this is a bit shit. This is a bit shit for her. And I said to her, do you want us to take this down? We, we'll, we'll take it off. We're like, we've got no issues with that. But she stuck to her guns and went, you know what? Now keep it up because people need to hear this and people need to talk about it. And, you know, hats off to you, Claire. You, you're, an, you're an absolute inspiration. Absolutely. Yeah. And she's, she's telling the emperor, you have no clothes on. It's not an invisible fancy garment with invisible mm. string. You just have no clothes, mate. And she's just calling it like she sees it. Listeners might be thinking, oh, you're reading too much into that advertiser. You know, it's like the story actually just summarizes what the interview was about. And then there's a little column to the right that's talking about the effectiveness. But no, we are telling you that the advertiser had to make Claire look bad because she's a leader of their community. And they even tell us because they wrote an editorial as well. So the story, the hit piece wasn't enough. Then you go to the letter section and here is an editorial written by the editor of the advertiser. Oh, Sam, this one really got me because in this editorial, basically it's saying, you know, okay, fine. She may have had those effects, but quote, If we have learned anything from this pandemic, it's that the disease hits the poor harder than the rich. People with coma. (laughs) What the fuck? There it goes. eh? People with comorbidities. So it actually actually does discriminate. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. COVID, you know, if you're rich, you can buy your way out of it. You just bribe it. Hey, COVID, not me, not me. Here's 50 bucks. All right, I'll, I'll keep going. I'll keep walking. Thanks, COVID. <laughs> so oh, it affects. Wow. Okay. So according to the editorial, this is like the level of debasement of the advertiser. People with comorbidities are far more likely to suffer serious effects and even death from COVID-19. And those in lower socioeconomic areas are more likely to work in manual labor and service industry jobs meaning they are more exposed to infection than white-collar workers who can log on from home. 
Have there been any reactions to the COVID-19 vaccines? Yes. Are these reactions in most cases relatively mild and treatable? Yes. Have the vaccines saved millions of lives around the globe? Undoubtedly, yes. One only has to compare the death rates in countries with high vaccination rates, such as Australia, against countries with low rates. Oh, like Africa? Full stop. No, 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 no. Don't give them any ideas. Don't say Ghana. Don't say Gabon. Don't say Chad. Don't say Nigeria. No, no we're not. We're, no, we're not going there. We're not going to go there. It just goes like it goes like this. Sam. It goes such as Australia against countries with low rates. The difference is stark. Yeah, that's very true. The difference is stark, but not the way yeah. you're trying to say not, it. Not the way you're spinning it. You. Fucking paid fucking shills. And then it finishes with this, which is, Claire, I'm really sorry that you're getting some of this flack. I'm really sorry, but this is how it finishes. This is what how why I'm saying that the advertiser is trying to make Claire a leader in her community that is well-liked and respected. And now people in the community are empathizing with her suffering. And there's an election coming up fairly soon in November. You know, it's not, not years away. May. The, the advertiser oh, you, oh, you for mean, her election the, the, for the mayor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. And the advertiser finishes with the last paragraph is Miss Bones interview will have planted a seed of vaccination hesitancy in a community that can least afford it. Those poor mm. schlobs up in Port Adelaide, those manual laborers, those, what else did they say? Those, uh, those service industry manual laborers who live in Port Adelaide Enfield. (laughs) But check this out, Sam. This is our third paragraph. This is the last thing I'll read. Okay. The mayor gave a long form interview to prison colony resistance or PCR podcast this week, speaking at length to hosts, Sam and the Vax Man. I made it, mama. I'm famous. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh. So yeah, look. <laughs> they're trying to make Claire look bad. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, guess which interview got a hundred downloads today? Claire's. <laughs> so they're by trying to like dismiss her, they're like actually brought attention to us a resistance mm. podcast who is planting seeds of vaccine hesitancy in the lower socioeconomic strata of Adelaide. Fuck the yeah. advertiser. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Fudge the no, advertiser. No, 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 no. You don't have to censor yourself. Look, I did have a bit of a bit of a rant all ready to go, but I, I think you've Tell summed it up. No, 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 no. I think you've summed it up perfectly. Um that they they really had an opportunity to start opening a a dialogue on this topic and they chose not to maybe they're reaching out to us sam maybe they want us to contact them no no see um i'm gonna take the high road here which is something that i'm not used to Um, oh yeah let's go to the shed again mate. hold on let's go to shed
Talk, talk it up, man. Kind of grabs you by the boo boo, don't it? Hey, man. What? What? Oh. <laughs> was in this shit, man? Mostly Maui Wowie, man. Yeah. But it's got some Labrador in it. What's Labrador? It's dog shit. What? Yeah, my dog ate my stash, man. I had it on the table and the little motherfucker ate it, man. Yeah? So I had to follow him around the little baggie for three days before I got it back. It really blew the dog's mind. You mean we're smoking dog shit, man? Uh, where'd you get that strain, dude? All right. Uh, so, what were you saying about high, get, taking the high road? What's up? Oh, uh, it was a hey, 420 tomorrow, right? Uh, <laughs> That's right. It is, man. Now I have an excuse from midnight tonight until midnight don't, tomorrow. Don't, don't ask how I know that. It's not, no. Um, yeah, look, they were off the mark. They missed the point. And, you know, they, they, they labeled us anti-backs. Fair enough, I'll wear that. But they could have also labeled us anti-government, anti-media, and anti-mandates, and I would have been happy with that too. So, you know, just do your fucking jobs properly. They can't even get our, our saying right. It's not where you come no, to get a PCR test. It's where you come to get your PCR I test. Know, you I don't know. just get a PCR test. Oh, man. No, look, I was, I was, I was, I was stewing over this on the weekend, but they actually gave us a lot more traffic than what we could have actually paid for. So thanks. Yeah, they, they, they're true to their name, the advertiser. Yep. Thank yep. you very yes. much for advertising PCR <laughs> yeah, to the mainstream people. <laughs> yep. the thanks, guys. We, we owe you one. Our subscribers went up by like 40 subscribers just today. Like, honestly. I don't know, Listeners, wow. Not, you know what? We're, we're a slow burn, you know? Like, we need to get the name out there and and... Thank you, man. Thank you very I, much. I'm expecting that call from Sky News. You know, trying to ferret oh, yeah. us out. So, who are you, Max? Man, what's your real name? <gasps> Be like Wilson from Home Improvement. That's right. Yes. Yep. yep. Uh, all right. So that's done. That's done. Goodness we gracious. Talk about that. Like, I'm. I'm not lowering. Not lowering myself to their level. That was that was surprising. That was surprising. It was kind of fun. It was surprising. I was it was sorry funny. for Claire getting all that flack, you know. Yeah. Um, but it, it, you know, for a politician, you know, a good politician like Claire, there's no such thing as bad publicity. And that article is not necessarily like saying, "Oh my God, she she you know was found in a room with like cocaine everywhere." Like none of that. It's like it's just saying here she's speaking honestly when she shouldn't. Speak honestly, because that's going to increase vaccine hesitancy. What kind of a, what kind of story is that? What kind of an angle? Look, the, the counter argument, and I can hear it from our chief health officers. It's in that column. Vaccines reduce risk. They increase health outcomes. I don't know what they're saying nowadays. It's safe and effective, right? Um, and you really have to consider that you might get myocarditis from the COVID, right? Because what we've seen recently, Sam, 
is we've seen that exactly what we said, exactly what we said about two months ago, that they were going to start blaming the vaccine. Here it is, right? It says it right here in the Daily Mail. Fatal. Hardly a respected news source. Uh, True, true. It's out there. You know, it's planting little predictive programming seeds. Fatal blood clot warning for Aussies who have just recovered from COVID. Signs you should look for in six months after the injection. Now, you're more likely to get an injection. In, sorry, you're more likely to get an infection, a little Freudian slip there, Sam. You're more likely to get an infection after your injection because it lowers your immunity. And Pfizer's even said it in their documents for two weeks, you have no immunity. So just chill out for those two weeks while the T cell thing that the protein does builds up. And there it is. Um, We have cricketers with uh, heart attacks going into comas. We have another one. Fatal blood clot warning for every Aussie who's recovered from the COVID. Another thing, yeah, saying, look, blood clots, heart attacks, you're going to get this. Who would have thought a respiratory illness could clog up your veins? And send strokes to your brain. Mm. I know sending strokes to your brain is not like the fucking technical term, but fuck you. Get your own podcast, you pricks, if you're fucking listening. So the masks are not going to protect you, right? We already established that in the last episode. But they're claiming that the masks are going to reduce transmission. Well, this is what they're finding now. It's saying, right, there's a story in Plastics, this uh, magazine called Plastics. Uh, It's like a section in their little uh, newspaper. And it's Mm saying, microplastics found deep in the lungs of living people for the first time. Particles diagnosed in tissue of 11 out of 13 patients undergoing surgery with polypropylene and PET being the most commonly found. Now, Mm polypropylene or poly you say let me say this go ahead polypropylene there it is one more time polypropylene polypropylene i like how you say it polypropylene very very proper (laughs) and this this is being found in people's lungs now why would microplastics be found in your lungs could it be that you're wearing a cheap piece of plastic it doesn't it doesn't matter if they're cheap or not it's it's every surgical mask that that's, that's what they are it's polypropylene it's poly elephant plus titanium dioxide that is the makeup of your mask i have the data sheets i have the safety data sheets right i'm not you're, you're a collector sam well <laughs> on the on this stuff yes i was um that's why i never wore it mm. Man in the know. I might, as well put a, I might as well put a fucking plastic bag over my head. Exactly. Mm. Microplastics in your lungs. That can't be good. That cannot be good. So, so people say, okay, well, we have to lessen transmission, so wear the mask. And you have to get jabbed. You have to get these mRNA gene therapies that were made for the Wuhan strain, which was two years ago. And it wasn't even matching the Wuhan strain. It was like 80% matching because they didn't never found the Wuhan strain, never isolated it. So they just got like a, a, an email with a code from some lab in China. And then they, they made that and put it in this thing and then just injected it into people and hope for the best. Now people are mm-hmm. keep killing over with heart attacks. But the question is, why do people keel over 
or clutch at their chest with these heart attacks? Well, I think that we should ask a cardiologist, right? And the best cardiologist in the planet just happens to be Dr. Peter McCullough. And Peter McCullough explains how these injections sort of um, affect your heart. And he explains the difference of getting myocarditis with COVID versus getting myocarditis as a result of an injected spy protein manufacturer. Here's Dr. McCullough, Sam, check it out. He's going to give us a lesson on cardiology and the difference between these two types of myocarditis. The myocarditis that occurs with the natural infection is usually those sick enough to be in the ICU and it's a troponin elevation only. It's very different than the myocarditis that we're seeing with the vaccines, which we'll get to. Uh, the myocarditis in COVID-19 is mild. It's inconsequential and it's largely a troponin elevation. I don't want anybody to think that the myocarditis of the natural infection is anything like what we're seeing with the vaccines. Exactly. The vaccine produces the inflammatory type process is on the heart. And the vaccine is directly there. Now there's preclinical studies suggesting the lipid nanoparticles actually go right into the heart. The heart expresses the spike protein. The body attacks the heart. There are dramatic EKG changes. The troponin, the blood test for heart injury with the vaccine myocarditis is, is 10 to 100 folds higher than the troponin we see with the natural infection. It's a totally different syndrome about when the kids get myocarditis after the vaccine, 90% have to be hospitalized. They have dramatic EKG changes, chest pain, early heart failure. They need echocardiograms. If the ejection fraction is low, they need medications to prevent heart failure. So vaccine-induced myocarditis is a big deal. And in children, it's way more serious and more prominent than a post-COVID myocarditis. World-famous, world-renowned cardiologist explaining to you why it is that athletes are clutching at their hearts and keeling over, why people on TV are plopping over after they clutch their chest. It's because your body has been told with mRNA wrapped in nipid nanoparticles that go into the nucleus of your cell and express themselves by making proteins that are encoded in these mRNA. It's like the little, the little order. So your cells start to manufacture these spike proteins, which then are located outside of your cells. So now your cells can't really get through the endothelium, the, the layer of, of, of blood vessels that they have to go through because these spike proteins are causing clots. They're causing traffic jams. So you get these long clots in people's, people's veins. And not only that, sometimes these lipid nanoparticles can go into the heart and convince the heart itself, the heart cells to manufacture the spike protein that your body is fighting. Now your body is fighting your own heart. That is a heart of glass right there. And like you said, it affects mainly the young. So here's one more little lesson from Dr. Peter McCullough, right? And I think we've had our fill of heart attack stories. Sorry, listeners. This is, this is where it's trending now. This is a certain amount of time after the vaccine has been put into people on a mass scale, six months, seven months, eight months later, probably three or four months after the boost, people are now starting to show this accumulation of spike protein as it distributes itself to the body with what we're seeing in the hospitals that are full all across Australia. 
with ambulances having to wait. And the reason is, as Dr. Peter McCullough explains, this is how it affects athletes, the young people, like Ollie Wines, right? Our own Ollie Wines. And this is probably what's affecting a lot of these players who are clutching their hearts as if they have shattered glass inside of them. Check this out, Sam. Paper by uh, Kea Gigani from Brazil just hit the um, preprint server today uh, indicates that it may be uh, a trigger that there may be catecholamines that trigger uh, the cardiac death that we're seeing in these athletes. Notice that the myocarditis deaths seem to occur in athletes on the field. We're seeing scores of young men in uh, in Europe uh, and elsewhere in the Katagangi paper, I think, uh, puts this all together. What, Next slide. Quick, quick, press pause. What is uh, catecholamine and, and how does it trigger Oh, but catecholamines event. are, that's your stress uh, hormone. So that's epinephrine, norepinephrine, and dopamine. That's your adrenaline. So when you exercise, Patrick, you should have a surge of adrenaline. Mm -hmm. But when you have a surge of adrenaline and you have vaccine-induced myocarditis, what Kajigani says is that's what triggers the sudden death. And that's exactly what we're seeing in the athletes. Exactly. So, it, they, they all do this, almost the same gestures. They grab their heart, yeah. they're like looking around, and then they fall backwards. And just yeah. they're out. Every time, you got it. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious, indeed. So heavy heart. Heavy, heavy, heart. heavy heart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, um, I feel bad. I feel bad for everyone who believed their government and believed these corrupt politicians who are getting paid the, by the millions mm -hmm. from these big pharma companies, Pfizer, right? GlaxoSmithKline was fined $2.8 billion, the biggest fine in history for lying about adverse events and for bribing doctors to hide that information. We have the exact same thing happening that happened in 2008. Look it up, Google it. If it's still there, if Google lets you find it, same thing is happening in 2021, 2022. Politicians hiding adverse events like our own chief health officer, Nicola Spurrier, going on the advertiser and saying, I have data, I have data, but refuses to share it with Alex Antic and his uh, freedom of information request, refuses to testify in the case for judicial review for the mandates, won't even get on a stand and tell us how she came to the conclusions that the vaccine is good to inject in five-year-olds. What? And now we have five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds having heart attacks. What? We have people keeling over. We have heart attacks throughout the community. We have ambulances waiting outside hospitals, which are full. And yet, and yet, we are the crazies. We are the conspiracy nuts. What? <sighs> Sam, I'm going nuts, mate. All right. Politics has gotten under my skin. You got, got me all worked up, Sam. Got me all worked Why do we even have to touch the P word? Huh? You know, I don't like talking about P words. Well, I don't like talking we about potatoes, to. peas, or politics. <laughs> well, we have to. It's our duty. Yeah. And we'll, keep, we'll keep talking about it till they either discredit, censor, or bury us. Yeah. But, yeah. We'll keep talking, in Sam. Main, 
And that's right. In the meantime, and I'm going to quote the appetizer. Oof. Their tagline is, shall I do it? You want me to do it? Yeah, do it. Read it. Just read it. Right. Resist. <laughs> Live free. Do not comply. This is the Vax, man. Yeah, this is Sam. Prison Colony. Resistance. Recognizing, as we've talked already, in response to Senator. Well, well that's not really our responsibility. I mean, well, that's actually, the rest actually, of the world doesn't have the same requirements. Oh, so, Senator, actually, Rennie, it is Senator because we we are signed up to a treaty a treaty called the International Health Regulations, and there is a specific component of the Biosecurity Act which addresses that matter about protection for others. So, are you Senator saying Rennie, that other countries? Yeah, sorry. Are you saying other countries have regulations that stop their unvaccinated people from leaving the country as well? Uh, I'd have to take that on notice as to which other countries might have that, but I understand there are still restrictions in relation to vaccination, both inward and outward travel. Yeah, I know. That's the question I'm asking you: is why is that that restriction, and what's the health? How how is it, what's the health advice on that? So I've, I've shared what I can with you, Senator, recognising that's so it's not health advice. It's because we signed up to a treaty. Uh, no, the, there are certain elements within the Biosecurity Act about protection for other countries related to uh, diseases of concern such as COVID-19. Okay, so can you want to put that on there, just like give me the actual sections of the Biosecurity Act? Uh, That's right. So are you seeing a, a sunset on that requirement? Uh, so the, there's no specific sunset, but uh, but the, 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 the plan with many of these things is to not stop everything at the same time. And so that, that requirement for in, in, incoming and outgoing vaccination uh, um, international travel to be vaccinated is remaining for the time being, uh, but not under the emergency powers. So in France, there was an elderly, wealthy businessman who got out life insurance for millions of dollars. He got the COVID vaccine and he died. So the life insurance company is not paying out because they decided that the COVID vaccine is a medical experiment and death from a medical experiment is not a covered entity. Furthermore, even the judge says that the side effects from the vaccine are well known. They've been made public. There's absolutely no way that this gentleman could not have known the side effects. He willingly chose to get the vaccine and he died as a result. And because it was a choice, they're calling it a suicide. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? And suicides, along with death from experimental drugs, are not covered in life insurance. So I know what you're thinking. Oh, that happened in France. 
That would never happen in the U.S. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, but the American Life Insurance Council has also said that life insurance policies may deny payment if you die from the COVID-19 vaccine because they are experimental drugs. There you go. This is something we thought might happen. We're seeing it happen. You might want to check your policy. This has been Prison Colony Resistance, where you come to get your PCR test for truth.